the common story in people with problems is oh, I took some ibuprofen, oh, I took some Voltaren. We have like we we say it every year, like you say, it's number one. They are a, re, a, a risk factor for exercise-associated hyponatremia, which I can talk about about later. That can make people super sick. Um, risk factor for kidney damage and 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 muscle breakdown, rhabdomyolysis. Really serious things that can then land you in hospital. And it, it's also like it'll potentially you don't need one of those life-threatening things to ruin your race. Kia ora tato. that was Dr Tom Reynolds. I'm Matt Raymond. And I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio, interesting conversations with interesting runners. New Year. Yes, you know what that means. Same us. Yeah, but you know what it Same means. Same wild things. Yeah, but you know what it means. New wild things code. Yeah, and this is going to be quite hard to explain because the old code was DCR2020. That's okay. the old code. I had That's to, the old code. Don't use that. I had to email Mel about four times about this. The new code. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? You got a pen? Yeah. DCR twenty twenty one. Do that again. DCR yep. twenty twenty one. I'm not quite sure how they've figured it out, but that's the code that you use. So you can use it to get 15 months VIP membership of Wild Things for the price of 12. Yes. Plus, they give us a little bit of... They do? They give us a bit so of a scratch and tickle? You're happy because you, you get the Wild Things VIP membership. You get access to the their store, which is actually really good and actually has really yep. good... Uh, Discounts yep. on lots of really good stuff. Lots of really it. good products. Yep. Uh, they're happy because they get yep. an extra VIP member. And we're happy because we get a bit of. Yeah, from, from Mel and Sal. So yeah. if you go to the website, which is. Wildthings.club. And enter the code DCR2021. Yeah, you get 15 you're, months for you're the price of 12. You're, you're in the money for, for New Year, New You, same yeah. us. Yeah, DCR2021. Don't forget it. It's quite hard to remember. Speaking of new new things, I'm still treating as new the Kinabalu Ultra RC from Scott Running that I ran Kepler in. Yes. And came out of that, well, I was going to say scot-free. <laughs> but I fell over and really hurt myself. But that was my fault, not the shoes. Um, but they're, they're still going strong as after mm. a summer of quite hectic use. Um, mm. The Kinabalu RC, Ultra RC from Scott Running is a fantastic shoe. And if you go to scottrunning.nz, because he's got new stock, because the boat came in. Fantastic. The boat came in? The boat came in, <sighs> or however it got here. I'm not sure it was either a boat or an airplane, but it got here. Um, Pigeon drop? We've been a lot of pigeons. Mm. But they're here. They're here. You go to Scott Running. Tearing up trails near you. .nz. Mm. Further faster. What do you say about Further Faster? Well, Did you hear that Rocky uh, from Further Faster got accused of being in a gang? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Maybe it's due to the fact that he walks around like an extra from Sons of Anarchy, really. He's got the the mullet, the beard, and the bandana. And then what really set it off? Was the uh, Fetching New uh, Dirt Church Radio T-shirts with the panther the Vigilance Panther on the back. Yeah. Um, yeah, accused of being in a gang. But the only gang he is in is, I guess he'd be in the Montane gang. He'd the Montane gang? Dirt yeah. Church gang gang. The Dirt Church gang. Um, it's, but going, it's a cool gang. It's, cool, it's, cool, it's, it's, a, cool it's gang. a cool gang. Yeah. DCR. That's right. Um, yeah. 
Anyway, so if you go to furtherfaster.co.nz, which is the best uh, independently owned outdoors retailer in the country, you can check out all the amazing stuff that they've got. Montane gear, they've got kayaks, they've got... Do you know what I really want for 2021? My new resolution? No. It's a jet boil. What's that? You Go and find out. All right. I want a jet boil. Which website do I go to? And just type in jet boil, but furtherfaster.co.nz would be the one that you'd go to for mm. a jet boil. Right. Um, that's not, well, I don't have a jet boil. I'm not angling for a jet boil. I just really want one. You know what I've been thrashing? It's my little cup thing. Yes. I, I use it every day. Mm. Every day. So we use the Life Adventure, yeah. Life Adventure uh, keep cups, the yes. thermos, and... They keep things hot, but they keep things very cold too. And it's been useful in this weather. So we should probably play the jingle and let the people get on with the podcast. They go something like further, faster, they're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Go further, faster, they're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Ditchitch Radio. How's everyone feeling? Mm. Mm. Episode one two six. We made it. We did. And I mean that generally. Yeah. But I also mean that in the current, with the 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 gestalt, the zeitgeist of uh, universal taper madness that's setting in around. Well, there is a whole bunch of races coming up, aren't there? The racing season. And yeah. when you look at those Facebook pages. Ooh. Yeah, it's yeah. getting good. Yeah, it's yeah, getting yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's good yeah. to be back with you, brother. It seems panic, like... Panic buying of shorts going on as well. Oh, um, in yeah. our circles. Yeah. It's 2021, we're still talking about branch chain amino acids. I know. Yeah. I know. But anyway, it's yeah. good to be back into it. It is. It's good to be back with you. And yes. it seems like a, a long... Suzanne said when I walked out, it seems weird that it was just a week. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's a lot mm. going on. But. Yeah. Yeah, it, it certainly does. It's that weird kind of year, isn't it? Where everyone's sort of getting back into work mode, but there's still lots of summer to be had and lots of racing going on and stuff. So funny old time of the year. Hey, thanks for all the feedback about last week. Yeah, how good was it to catch up with yeah. Sarah Douglas? Yeah. And great that everyone enjoyed it. And yeah. thanks for your kind feedback about us being back. That was yes. that was really lovely. We missed you uh, too. Yeah, we missed you too. Yeah. And and yeah. we even had someone say, I, I have been cheating on other podcasts and she, did you see she, she actually wrote in to she post up on her Instagram? No, what happened? Well, she said that she'd been enjoying My Dad Wrote a Porno. Ah, right. Not to name you. I've never heard it. Apparently it's very good, but yeah. I listened to a few episodes. I can't remember why I stopped listening. I didn't stop listening for a you know, thing, but it was, it was clever. Yeah. It was clever. Yeah, maybe we could do a spin-off. Let's just stick with Troll Runner Nation. But anyway, yeah. out there <laughs> on the forest. Yeah I, yeah, I was out there yesterday. It was like Queen Street. Well, you know, like Queen Street used to be. So busy. It was, yeah, it was real yeah. busy. It was good to see everyone out there. It wasn't just runners too. It was mountain bikers and, and gravel bikes as well. Lots of gravel bikes around at the moment. <sighs> but um, it was good to see everyone sort of finishing off their last few big runs before events like Tarawera yeah. um, this weekend. And I know there's talk about next weekend as well. And are you doing any Tarawera training, Matt? Well, I'm doing some. I'm, I am training, so I'm building back up with with, with my coach. And I, I did see. I went out for a run yesterday. Yes. Saw a bunch of people, tra- you know, looking like they're training for the Tarawera. And I also saw uh, one of the dudes. He's he's usually one of the lead single speed guys who leads in the hundred k runner. Flew up Barlow Road past oh, me, really? one speed, <gasps> just going so Insanity. elegant. But yeah, I've been yeah. doing my vocal warm ups. Yes, and um, you know, uh, hot. 
I don't hot honey and lemon drinks because I am lucky enough to be one of the MC team yeah. at this year's Tarawera Ultra Marathon. So I'll be at the finish line, and, and goodness knows where else. Elsewhere with Paul Chartres, Ellie Pottinger, Kerry Suter. Um, how surreal is that? Yeah. So I can't wait to see you all down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're going to be down there too. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't do the MCing because I'm out, going to be running. I know that so, he was their first choice. No, no, no. no. I think it's going to be a tag team thing. True. And, but I'm I'm going to be down there uh, pacing Jean, oh. so, who paced me last year. So, so I'm really looking forward to getting down there. Um, I know that Gene and Smudge and everyone else is going down, Say one and everyone, Harry and Billy and everyone that we know, yep. Tom and Tom, other Toms. And all Toms. of you who, who, who write into yes. it, there's a, there's a huge interest huge this year. Huge interest it's, it's this year. Yeah, going to be a party. So. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to seeing everyone down there. It should be a fun weekend. We're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. In other news, uh, the annual, and, and it's germane to what we're going to talk about tonight with Dr. Tom Reynolds, the annual, I, f- I saw it today for the first time, it's like the, it's like the new buds of spring or whatever, it's yeah. the annual Will It, Won't It Rain at Tarawera yes. Facebook posts yeah. gone up and yeah. everyone's yeah. gone apeshit. They the have. portents have been examined, yeah. the augers, have, they've been augers, you know, we're three weeks out, people. Yeah. And we know we've both been there multiple times. We know. Calm the farm. Honestly, people. chill. Prepare yeah. for the worst. Don't look at the weather forecast just yet. No. Because no. what difference is it going to make? Exactly. I mean, you're still going to have to have your jacket there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the main it. reason I'm happy is I use it as somewhat as a, as, as a seasonal marker, like an almanac. So I know that when I see, you know, the, the will it won't it rain Facebook thing, I need to get my potatoes in. So yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, that's right. It means the broccoli's ready. No, no. Anyway, that that fell flat. On to this week's guest. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's got much more sensible things to say. So, Absolutely. A bit of a different chat. Usually, we come prepared with a bunch of questions. Oh, well, that's <laughs> that's a lie. But um, this time, our chat was our plan was okay. Doc, take it away. So it's it's Dr. Tom Reynolds who. He's one of the uh, medical directors for Tarawera, yep. and he's an adventure racer himself. Yep. He's um, been involved with a bunch of races, in, in, uh, both, both as a competitor but also as medical director. Absolutely. Um, I spoke to him last year as part of a story, and, and I thought, hey, he's got some interesting stuff to say that's of interest to, to trail runners, all endurance athletes really, um, and let's get him in front of our listeners. And he agreed to. And so, yeah, heaps to listen to and learn with Dr. Tom coming yep, up. Absolutely. Use this as a tool. Like I said, think of it as a comforter, uh, a, a, a limb sip to soothe your troubled psyche in this time of taper madness. Namaste. Namaste yeah. in one of our Dirt Church radio shirts. Oh, yeah. Whilst you can because Dirt they are charming. selling out. Yeah. yeah, the vigilance, the vigilance panther. Yeah. Uh, the shirts are selling out. Mm. Get in quick if you want uh, one of them. They're delicious. We're even thinking about re-upping because they are doing so well. Um, and what we'll do is if you fire us a detail at dirtchurchmerch at gmail.com, that's dirtchurchmerch at gmail.com, we will get back to you. Uh, and you can have a look at them on the website too. Absolutely. Our friend Freya at Legom Designs, bringing yes. home the bacon, as yep. seen by... Modelled by the Revenant Czar Ian Evans. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Quite a few of them down there, I saw, mm. actually. Yeah. Uh, have you been, man? Yeah, it's weird. It always seems like the first couple of weeks of the year I struggle to get back into the flow of running. And, mm. you know, time of season, kids, school, work, all that sort of stuff. And it's uh, it's weird this time being um, 
coached. So keeping up with the coaching, that's mm. been really useful. But I have kind of struggled with getting my head in the game. Um, and yeah, I mean, yesterday, for whatever reason, everything just just lifted. I mean, mm. we, I talked last week, we, you know, we'd had a bereavement in the family. Mm. We had the funeral on the Friday and, and the Saturday was pretty much a write-off. So 26K yesterday at just what felt like a forever pace with no mm-hmm. concern. And I had Dave Brubeck's Take Five stuck in my head, which was the song that was the person mm. wanted played at the funeral. So, mm. I mean, it was just one of those really special, special runs. And, yep. and, and hopefully that's a sign of thing to come. So yeah. Pretty, yeah. Pretty, pretty good week from a pretty bad week. So Yeah. yeah. I hope the whānau's okay. Yeah, they're good, mm. man. Mm. How about you? Yeah, yeah good, good, good. Um, yeah, sort of. Getting on with things. I running wise, I had an I had an easy week, which yep. is kind of weird, but it felt good. You never take easy weeks. I know. Well, I well I I kind of did in the Tarawera build up last year. I built in um, every four to six weeks, just reducing the mileage a bit and having an, an easier week. But um, this this time, uh, yeah, I was taking taking an easy week, and a few people were messaging me going, "Are, are you injured? Are you, are you something okay? wrong? Yeah. Yeah, are you okay?" Uh, and the answer was, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just doing what coach said." So, mm. um, you know, but. Yeah, take, taking an easy week, but but back into it this week, uh, and really looking forward to getting into that. That's the good thing about those easier weeks. Um, you you feel recharged and That's ready right. to go. So I'm yeah, I'm ready to go. Fantastic. Mm. Tell you what keeps us room to go, it's our Patreon patrons. And yeah. if you'd like to support what we do, we'd love you to come on board. If you set up a regular donation, even for the cost of a cup of coffee a month, it'd help us to do things that are a bit outside our reach at the moment, like buying audio equipment to improve our sound quality um, and getting some more races to interview people like Tarawera. Uh, it would also help us keep the lights on, helping us cover costs like website domains and calls. So for the cost of a one-off koha, a cup of coffee, or a, a small regular donation um, at Dirt Church, at patreon.com forward slash Dirt Church Radio. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you on board. And if that's not absolutely in your wheelhouse at the moment, that's just fine too. We're stoked to be here. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I managed to hit the right button this you week. You did. Yeah. The yeah. biggie. The biggie. The third iteration. Mm. Toru. Mm. Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and big written in, in capital letters too. B-I-G. So, yeah, this this past weekend was the third running of the Revenant. So that's 190 million kilometres <laughs> and 16 gazillion metres of vert. Uh, Four-loop course that you have 60 hours to complete. Yep. Remember, first year... How many finishes? None. None. Uh, last year? Three. And then this year? Ian Evans. Oh, no. Ian yeah. Evans. Yeah. So, Championi. Yeah. yeah. So, Ian Evans got timed out last year on the third loop. So yeah. So, he was heading on to his fourth loop and he got timed out. And mm. he, he didn't miss it by very much and he was gutted. Mm. Um, he led from the get-go and after 36 hours, he was the last one still going. He was the only one to complete lap three, which took 41 hours, four hours under the cutoff. So, I mean, that's huge. That's, yeah. that's, that's well Gives on track. That, gave him that window, didn't it? He headed off for his final lap after dealing with searing heat and a night of rain and cold, but... But he just took it all in his stride and, you know, he had his dog, Poppy, and his fiance Jane, with him yeah. in spirit, not there with him. No, that they were been... there. Yeah, they were there. They well, were not in the whole race. The yeah, race. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there was um, – the Revenant team um, were great at uploading videos and, and updates and, and I know that I was and, and tons of you were as well just constantly refreshing and updating and, and getting those – 
getting those updates. Um, and it was great to see Ian because he's kind of felt like the almost there guy. Absolutely. So many times yep. uh, at Relapse and at Revenant yep. and, and this was his year. And when he set out on that fourth lap on his own, it was like, man, this is going to be real hard, but you got it, you got it. Yep. And, and and sure enough, he did. Uh, one of my colleagues uh, from Stuff, Mike White, he was, he was down there and um, we were talking about today and he said, yeah, you know, Ian's just the nicest guy, and and the last couple of years have been heartbreaking for him, especially last year when he, you know, he couldn't find that last checkpoint on lap three, um, and missed the cutoff as you said, and, and and this year he just Mike said that Ian just seemed so in control the whole mm. way through, and it was incredibly hot on Friday and Saturday, and he, he he found lap three tough, but you know that's him, isn't it? He 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 smashed through it, and it was mainly a solo effort. He was out on his own from early on lap two when Michael Stewart he was running with. Um, his ITB played up and he, and he pulled out. So, you know, uh, man. So 40 such, hours, such 135K solo. And, and that's the yeah. thing. This is a, this is a, I don't even call it a race. This is an experience where yeah. so many people team up. Yep. Yep. You know, and it takes a it takes a special kind of sort of individual. Even you know, last year you think about um, the two gentlemen who finished, and then mm. uh, Sean who finished. Sean was running with Tom mm. at the mm. start mm. as well. So yeah. I mean, yeah. God, it's. Incredible. Yeah. Chris Taylor was second to last on the course. He finally tapped out on uh, checkpoint 11 on on lap three. Katie Wright and Jane Beaumont, they made the 30-hour cutoff for two laps, but they decided to stop there. They'd made what the race officials called a slight navigation error, which (laughs) Katie called the biggest understatement ever. Yeah. But, um, you know... Congratulations to Ian. We are so, so happy for you. You've had a lot to do with him at, at Relapse over the years. Look, I've been lucky enough uh, to have got to hang out with Ian uh, both times, the bigs and, and Relapse last couple yep. of years. And, you know, what you see is what you get. He mm. is stunningly even yep. uh, and just just indefatigable and even in in great pain and distress, you know, when he his stomach went at, at Relapse and he, he just... He's just cheerful. He's mm. he's 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 just he's he's a fantastic human being. So mm. yeah, mm. I'm so mm. happy for him. Well done, bro. Well done. I wonder if he had a special boil thing. His jet boil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's where I learned about jet boils, and Rebecca learned about jet boils too. <laughs> when he asked us to turn on his jet boil, and we we're like, "What's a jet boil?" As it, after he ran off, we we're like, "Yeah, sure, we'll do that for you because we're tough and cool." And then we're like, "What's a jet boil?" <laughs> well, we, well done. That man. So right. going from 190 mm. kilometres to a 190 million, 190 million kilometres yeah. to a respectable 21 kilometres, yeah. the, the classic. Sensible. Absolutely. So mm. this is a good home Taranaki off-road half, and that looked heaps of fun and mm. super stunning. Yeah. So in first place uh, for the women was Hannah Gumbly, New Plymouth 203.24, Sarah Revel Denent in second in 209.02, and third was Maddie Glazeby of Gisborne in 211.57. And in the men's, Michael Erb Taranaki, 132.41. Hometown heroes. Yeah, absolutely. Them, yeah. Uh, Kyle Bridgman, uh, 133.41. And Fabian Downs, 135.23, representing Takapuna there. Takapuna, so, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no. Hey, tell you who else is smashing it. And a, a, a nurse yes. smashing it. Yes, indeed. Brooke indeed. Thomas. Mm. And Adam Keane has been... Just yep. fair spamming yep. the Dirt Church Instagram stories. And rightly so. And rightly rightly so. so. Yep. Um, 
Brooke is smashing it on the 3,000-kilometer Teotoroa Trail. Uh, she's fundraising for heart kids. She's a competitive, if you don't know, she was a competitive rower for New Zealand, but she was diagnosed with a heart condition, which meant that she had to have a pacemaker installed. Um, as we said, she's a nurse, and she's well on track to chase down the FKT on the trail. Mm. Uh, Lucy Clark had that 66 trip. A uh, 66-day trip last year, but um, Brooke is already on the home straight. So. Mm. so she was in Queenstown over the weekend, and we'll put the uh, tracker uh, in our show notes, and you can um, you can see where she is. But man, get in quick because she hasn't got long to go. No, she's about 300k left. Yeah, she's well like, as, as as yeah. As we were recording, recording this on Monday, and, and I, you know, she was well past Queenstown. Um, yeah, heading south. So go, Brooke. Awesome. All right. Greatest, greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be that time that you won the Revenant. Um, or set an FKT on the Teotoroa Trail. Yeah, or set an FKT on the Teotoroa Trail. It could just be that time that you ran around the block, something that sung to you for some reason. Send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this is from Claire Whittle. After much deliberation, I've narrowed it down to the Topol 100km Ultra. I took part in 2019, and many elements made it special for me. It wasn't my first 100km, but my first for a number of years. I'm originally from the UK, where I've been a regular runner for upwards of five years before heading to New Zealand in 2018. New Zealand reignited my passion for trails, and after running the Auckland Marathon in 2018, in celebration of my permanent move to the country, I got gradually exploring more trails and finding like-minded individuals to share them with. One of the things that I value most about trail running is the camaraderie and strength of spirit, the shared sense of why and the celebration of thrills and spills. I often liken a long run to kind of speed dating friendship experience. <laughs> All the, you're not wrong. All of a sudden you can find yourself spilling your darkest or most intimate street secrets to an almost complete stranger. After the run you decide whether you'll ever see each other again and often when you do it makes for some of the closest friendships. I got to know a small group of other runners originally through a running chat group for those running at Topol. Through the group we shared tips, tricks, encouragement, nerves, and a great deal of banter. Many people I'd met in person through self-organized training runs, but some I knew by name only. As I came to New Zealand not knowing a soul, it felt extra special to hang out with these people at the registration and on the course, sharing the experience. From the outset, Topol was a little daunting. I got told off for the lightness of my lightweight jacket during the kit check. That must be a lightweight, lightweight jacket. Ooh. The woman in charge of checking informed me that it was going to take a very long time and that I would be very... <laughs> Kind of telling off. It would be a very long time and I would be very dark and cold by the time I finished. Nothing like a little pep talk. Nonetheless, she cleared me to start, stamped my hand and sent me off to be weighed in. My goal was to finish in daylight if possible between 14 and 15 hours. The race briefing itself was thankfully succinct and then myself and my wonderful partner, support crew of one extraordinaire, were off for a pre-race pizza and an early night. The day itself started with a rude awakening at 3.15am, and those are the rudest of awakenings, aren't they? Not a favourite mm. time of mine to be awake, however, with a giant bowl of porridge to consume, coffee to drink, manic rechecking of kit, and a one-hour drive to the start, needs must. The race started in the dark, with 130 competitors lining up for the 100 kilometres. In total, over 1,000 people took part over distances ranging from 21k to 70 to 100 kilometres. 
The first quarter of the race was on the western shores of Lake Taupo through twisty and turning trails. I was pleased that I'd chosen to wear trail shoes for this part. It was slow going with a frustrating chain of runners winding their way through the single track bush. By 25 kilometres my hips were aching and I realised that too much of my training had been on the road and relatively flat ones at that. A good race should always teach you a thing or two. At 44 kilometres I changed from trail shoes to road shoes to tackle the next section of tar-sealed road and farmland. It was a real relief to make the switch and I stuck with road shoes for the rest of the run. Next up, there's more farmland before an out-and-back loop at Kinloch took us through woodland and a tiny, tiny bit of suburbia. Finally came the K2K and W2K trails to the finish line, altogether a great mix and more than enough to keep you on your toes. There are a few bits about my previous ultra-running experiences that I'd conveniently forgotten. Fact number one, when it's over, I get sick. This has never happened so far during an event in the same way people, some people experience. I seem to tolerate food all kinds well during the race. The la- this lasts until approximately 30 minutes afterwards <laughs> oh no mm. uh, it's like my body is sending me a message saying since you keep ignoring me I'm going to make you listen anyway long story short I crossed the finish line weighed in made it to the motel straight to the shower which by a stroke of luck hit, oh no mm. <laughs> had a disabled shower with a seat installed showered threw up ate some popcorn threw up ate some more instant noodles lay down completely flat and then passed out magic all of the people I knew involved at Taupo set out to complete our individual challenges, and frankly, we all nailed it. If I finished in daylight, which made me very... I finished in daylight, which made me very happy. I ran the vast majority of the course, and I ran it my own way. I got talking to other runners at different points, but ran using my own judgment. Mentally, I felt strong. My fitness and muscles felt good. And I can honestly say that during this run, I did not have a why, why, never again moment. My partner paced me for a portion of the run, and then again to the finish. As an avid non-runner until about six months previously, this meant a huge amount and I was proud of us both. Post Topol, I now run weekly health sessions with a runner who had become a firm friend thanks to the Topol 100. I've gone on a run with many of the originals and still growing up and the still growing group now dubbed Ultras Anonymous. More running buddies means more exposure to even better endeavours. I wouldn't change a thing. Wonderful, Claire. Thank you. Bam! That, that leads good. straight into, really, our conversation with Tom Reynolds, isn't straight it? Straight into. But also, quickly, I love that idea of speed dating. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. Yep. It's true. It's true. Yep. It's true. Yeah. 100%. That's what, what runs are. Thank you, Claire. That's wonderful. Look, as I said, it leads directly into our conversation with Dr. Tom Reynolds. He is uh, an endurance athlete himself. He's raced at World Championships for adventure racing, orienteering and mountain biking, and he's reached the podium at numerous trail races. He's also a medical doctor. He was about to head off for a night shift yep. in the emergency ward when we spoke to him, um, and he's a, a, a medical director at Tarawera, Taupo, and a number of other endurance events. He's got a love for this uh, sport that we all do, and we invited him on to give us some tips for runners as we head into this busy race season and boy it's a great conversation without further ado dr tom reynolds okay on the line we have uh, endurance athlete member of the community medical doctor and the medical director for the tarawera ultramarathon dr tom reynolds tom kia ora and welcome to dirt church radio Kia guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our absolute pleasure. Um, I think it's time that we act as a, I don't know, maybe a lemsip and a soothing duvet to all the frayed nerves of the people out there who are freaking out about whatever big race they're doing this year and um, lay down some kind of sound general advice for people who might be like freaking out about their first ultramarathon. What do you reckon? 
I'm sure we can we can come up with some simple rules, maybe some things that might help people. That's yeah. right. I mean, not to get not to get too specific about things, but look, I, I, walking back that that, that preamble. Look, thanks for coming on Dirt Church Radio, man. We're so we're so pleased to have you on. Yeah, oh, it's um, it's great. I've I've listened a couple of times to a few but different people, and yeah, I'm just stoked to be able to share some of this information um, and just contribute to the discussion. Brilliant. Brilliant. Look, one of the main things we wanted to, as well as your own um, sporting background, which we want to talk to you about as well, but we wanted you to talk us through the ways that runners should be prepared to look after themselves and navigate through an endurance event, look out for each other as well. And you've got a list of five things um, that I think they came from Tarawera maybe, or you can correct me on that, but they actually apply to all races and, and not just ultra distances people who are entering endurance events should be mindful of these things. So do you mind starting off by sort of walking us through those five key things to remember? Sure. So these, I guess these five rules are kind of a way to like an aid memoir really. So working across a whole bunch of different ultras, um, Tarweta included, Topo Ultra and some other triathlon based events, we saw kind of a common set of errors that athletes were making that were making them end up with us. So the intent with these is not to be a scientifically correct, detailed um, deep dive, but rather just five things you can do. You can run through your checklist a month out, a week out, and make sure you've got a plan. So the first one, um, and this is definitely for all endurance sport, is say no to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So this is a group of medicines that includes things like ibuprofen, diclofenac, voltaren, nurofen, naproxen, and basically the reason to avoid them is that they're a really common theme in a whole bunch of problems that people run into. Um, to cut a long story short, they basically block a whole part of our body's normal regulatory mechanisms, be that in the kidneys, in the gut, uh, even in muscle and, and um, soft tissue healing. So they're a surefire way to start messing with your body and making it hard for it to compensate from the effort that it's doing in, in an endurance event. So with the non-steroidals, and I'm curious most about sort of the kidney issues that people can have. Mm-hmm. And so correct, this is the way that I kind of conceptualize it. Is it something to do with because they uh, they block or they try to stop inflammation? Is that how it blocks the kind of the, the more out, output that the kidney's putting in to manage that inflammatory inflammatory process is that how that works so it's kind of part of it so non-steroidals affect a a big group of messaging chemicals in our body some of those messages are used to uh, carry out inflammatory processes so that would be like the say you get a a tendinopathy or a a sprain it's hurt it's swollen that's because those messengers are active and a non-steroidal blocks that so it stops hurting stops being swollen right but our body's really good at using messengers for multiple jobs, and those same chemicals or chemicals made by very similar enzymes are also really important in regulating and balancing the blood flow in our kidney and also um, tied up in trying to match supply and demand, I guess you could say, in terms of the, the filtration process in the kidney. Mm. Um, so that's the, the kidney example. Same in the gut, those, um, those chemicals are present in the wall of the gut so if you're blocking their usual process and turnover then your gut doesn't work the way it normally does and this will in a race this is a time where we need our body to be working 
tip top mm, of all uh. the normal things to be working. Basically, in ultra, the way you kind of see this in in people as they go longer and longer in these races, our body's constantly battling to keep all of our um, like our uh, electrolytes, our temp body temperature, our blood pressure, trying to keep them regular. So we've got all these little clever little reflexes and mechanisms to do that. But as you get more tired and fatigued, those the lurches and those regulatory mechanisms get bigger and bigger. So sometimes you might be really hot and then you might be really cold and your body kind of loses its ability to regulate. We, If we're then taking out additional mechanisms with medicines, then we're kind of not doing our body any favours. We're... Mm. Does that kind of make sense? That's Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah, it does. Because um, So what you're doing is you, you, you're trying to maintain that sort of, that, that term, that homeostasis, aren't you? And, and, yeah, and I think about the, you know, in terms of the gut, one of the biggest challenges, and I can only sort of think back to my own experience, was learning how to eat and run at the same time or eat throughout that process. You know, you train your body to take on board and you need everything to be kind of... Well, I mean, we're a tube essentially, aren't we? <laughs> to be sort yeah, of, to be, right, yeah. to be working, uh, you know, going in the tube and then passing through different tubes and out another tube. Um, so if you're blocking any number of those highways or byways or red flags with that sort of, because it's analgesia, isn't it? So you're stopping feeling it. You can actually be doing other things in the background. Yeah. So it's it's the it's. I know lots of people will think, oh well, maybe is it because I'm going to mask pain and do mm. more damage. Maybe, but actually it's these, the influence on homeostasis mm, in right. other parts of the body that we can't see operating that just do their thing automatically. Mm. I, I actually really like the homeostasis like concept when you are thinking about your body during a race because our bodies aren't like flat line all the time. It's like a sine wave. It's like oscillating to like our temperature will go up a little and then it'll go down a little, but it will just oscillate a little bit around a kind of baseline because we're, we're not a machine. We're like a complicated like very complicated biological organism and so if you are eating for example you're adding in food your body's then got to say whoa okay so i'm sending this amount of blood to my gut but Mm. my muscles need lots and now i've got food and it will oscillate back the other way and send a bit more blood to the gut and then hold on i'm getting more demand from the muscles and so it's this constant kind of catch-up game that we're Mm -hmm. playing so that I think reflects, and I'm sure you guys would have experienced this in races as well, we have good times and we have bad times. You can be in trouble one moment. You can, you've got your normal like things you can do to try and get yourself out of it, but almost inevitably you'll start to feel better soon. Mm-hmm. And that's that body just slowly moving in and out of, of slightly different states around a, a goal kind of baseline. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of those drugs and the, the the fact that they have that impact. I mean, this is not just, this is really serious, isn't it? This is not just, um, hey, guys, try not to take those. This is, like, I've heard Paul Charteris, I think, threaten to throw people out of his race if he takes these things. Like, this is, it's it's important, this one, isn't it? And that's why yeah, you've got think, it as number one. That's right, yeah. It's, they're like the, the common, the common story in people with problems is, oh, I took some ibuprofen. Oh, I took right. some Voltaren. Yeah. We have, like, we, we say it every year, like you say, it's number one. They are a, re, a, a risk factor for exercise-associated hyponatremia, which I can talk about, about later, mm-hmm. that can make people super sick. Um, risk factor for kidney damage and, and, and muscle breakdown, rhabdomyolysis. Really serious things that can then land you in hospital. And it, it's also like it'll potentially – you don't need one of those life-threatening things to ruin your race. Yeah, so yeah. It's – 
I just don't do it. If you yep. need an alternative, if you if you think, oh, I need this for the race, I think the first question to ask yourself is, okay, is it is racing the right thing for me to be doing? Yeah, mm-hmm. I need to be there to fight another day. This is a long game. Um, sure, I might have to miss this race, but I'll come back stronger. If the answer is, oh, actually, it's just a little niggle or I get a bit sore and, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll own up, I use paracetamol in some of my races, mm-hmm. but that is a far safer option to use. Right, right. so paracetamol. paracetamol. Okay, yeah. but yeah. as and and let's be very clear yeah. because we let's not we, dose up on paracetamol. Let's not either. give ourselves a staggered overdose because because <laughs> people don't understand that as well, right? So yeah, we're we're, t- we're we're talking sort of a gram or two tablets every four to six hours as directed. Yeah, read the box. Don't read go the over box. Paracetamol makes you sick too. So oh, it's, yeah. it's something which is like a last resort. I yeah. think that before yeah. reaching for the tablets in a race, you mm. should. You should have other tools in your arsenal to help yeah, yeah. get you out of that rough spot, including pulling out if you have to. Yeah, or not starting. About, yeah, or not starting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you. Can, I think it's always good to kind of have thought about those, not just a plan B, mm. but a plan C, D, E, F. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, have thought, what if this? What if that? Lots of long runs, lots of training. You have got lots of time to to think about these things. And while we shouldn't plan to fail, it's always good to have. Just mm. have thought about it, so you can you can respond to it if it does happen. Yeah. Well, I guess it puts it in that place, doesn't it? It's an important part of our life. But I mean, if you said to someone, "Hey, would you prefer an ongoing cardiac issue because you had, you know, hyponatremia or uh, you know, like a rhabdo?" The after you know the recovery from that, the 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 trauma of of going through a serious medical event versus the fact yeah. that you didn't get your Tuttle or whatever medal, sorry, you didn't get your Kepler medal this year but then you could keep running through summer and train mm, next year. Mm, mm. T- totally. And we've got a big, we've got a busy calendar. We've yep. got, I'm sure everyone would rather be able to do another ultra than yeah. be seriously damaged from, mm. from, from something. So mm. definitely rule one, yep. say not to non-steroidals. Now, yeah. can I clarify as well, that includes topical preparations? Well, that's, that is an interesting question. Not they, that I'm advocating for them, but I just want to get... Yeah, they don't have the same... It's, it's not understood. There's just not the literature around. Right. So everything, all of the data is around oral use of these tablets. Sure. Um, Sorry, I, as, the, as the non-medical person in this, in yeah. this uh, conversation, you mean ointments? Yeah, ointments. yeah like the yeah. Voltaren gel. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Voltaren yeah. gel. Yeah. I, think, I think probably there, there's going to be a degree of systemic absorption yeah. from it. Um, I, this would be my, this is, and we're, we're, we're kind of, um, moving into like personal opinion here. Yeah, of course, I, like I, totally I would, personal I, opinion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it. Yeah, I right. don't think the data is there to support me either way, but I just wouldn't. There's going to be an unpredictable degree of absorption into your system, sure. yeah. even if it's just through the skin. Just stay clear. I mean, yeah. but keep it simple. Just don't yeah. don't use don't it. Go if, there. You do, if you do need it, reassess why and if it's the right thing to be doing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Number two. So two is, and this is a. I know it uh, triggers a lot of people, but it's drink to thirst. <laughs> it's just three words. We keep the whole hydration thing simple. Um, and I'm sure that there would be, there's a huge amount of literature about the optimal hydration strategy. And I'm sure we could get a, uh, you could get a round table of, mm-hmm. of sports physicians and sports doctors together and there'd probably be a range of opinions. But I, I think the, the dominant one and the one that makes the most sense in the context of the New Zealand environment, is drink to thirst. Right. Um, that what that means is, I guess, you can explain what it doesn't mean. So, 
sometimes people might have a schedule that they drink to. Every 15 minutes, I'm going to drink 150 mils of X liquid, water. Uh, that sort of thing is is proven to run you into trouble. That can lead to either not enough fluid, too much fluid, um, and problems down the line. If you are guzzling down down just water, drinking loads and loads and loads all the time, obsessed about hydrating, which lots of people can be, especially more beginner people, um, that can also do you harm. Um, we Dehydration is the thing that's been pushed to us by the uh, international, um, I guess, drinks big, industry. Big soft drink. <laughs> big soft drink, big, um, big energy drink and all that. But there are other dangers at the other end as well. It's that homeostasis thing. So we can be dry, but we can also end up in a situation where our body starts to hold on to too much water. And just like if you have a, a, a pot of soup and you pour more and more water in, you're going to dilute the contents of that soup. And we, you mentioned we are a tube before. We're kind of like a tube filled with soup in the walls of lots of electrolytes and things. And we need to keep that, that balanced and that means what goes into the tube and gets absorbed needs to be about right. Mm. So the, the main trouble, I'm, main problem I'm kind of alluding to there is EAH or exercise-associated hyponatremia. Yeah. And to, to break that down, that's basically um, in an exercise of, of all durations, but mainly longer, um, you can run into a hyponatremia, hypo-low natremia sodium. So Rather than that being a situation where you've lost loads of sodium, it's more a case of your body's mechanisms for regulating how much water we have and how much we pee out has got confused mm -hmm. and it's held on to too much water, diluting your sodium, which at the benign end can be asymptomatic and you wouldn't even know, but at the severe end can lead to um, seizures, coma, um, water in the lungs, and ultimately people people have died of this. So that's why we say drink to thirst rather than drinking too much. Mm. So that, that – and you help that by taking in not just drinking water, by drinking other fluids, drinking a variety of fluids, and also eating during a race. That also helps. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, so drink a range of fluids, and if you can, aim to eat. I think the ideal plan for everyone in a ultra distance race, or even like even something as like a off road trail race, trail half marathon or something, would be to have a couple of different food options, so that you have. We all know we get like different tastes on different days. Some mm. days we we want a gel and it's all good, and the next day the thought of it makes us mm. wheezy. So I think just have a little bit of redundancy in your food plan, so that you've got a couple of options. And try and take that in through the race. Yeah, and it's amazing, isn't it? Like when you talk about thirst, and when you talk about it's such a it's when you're exercising, and I don't again, I can only speak to myself. Like sitting there on the couch and going, "Gosh, I could really kill a cup of tea now," or "I'm I'm thirsty." It's a different kind of process, isn't it, to when you're running? You're not you don't kind of get that sort of. I'm actually thirst, or you know, I don't get that a lot. But it's almost more of a kind of if you trust your body, it's that's almost that primal kind of. It's, it's an unconscious kind of thing, and I think it's yeah. the same with it's the same with you know you, you've all heard stories of crew who you know I've got all these things laid out for my runner, and the runner comes in and they've they've handpicked this incredible A through you know L, and all they want is Q, 
you know, <laughs> like because mm. it, it, it's it's almost it's quite an instinctual kind of thing. I think sometimes, isn't it? Uh, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. One no. one race you'll want, you'll be like, oh, I really enjoy this particular bar. And then the next race, you'll be like, I just want some chips or something with like bacon flavor. Like, and it's, you can't predict it. So I think there's, it's good to have your staples, your things that you know that are all right with your body that are pretty good most of the time. Um, For me, I'm really lucky. Bars sit really well with me. So I always have a couple of different flavors of bar. Sometimes gels don't. So I often take them, but I might not like them. Um, And I've got some good friends who experiment with all sorts of different like roasted vegetables and that sort of thing because that's what works for them Mm -hmm. Um, so I think drinking to thirst taking in a range of fluids and trying to eat solids as best you can okay hot hot cups of tea for you I was one of the yeah yeah well Tarawira that was yeah something I just needed is a nice sweet hot cup of tea at one point it's just you know it felt like the best thing I'd ever drunk the things you crave eh yeah 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 one one thing um and we're all we're all adults that listen to dirt church radio so we can talk about this but urine now I've been running for so long that I've heard different theories on what color your pee should be and stuff you know and and you know what you should be looking out for can you just walk us through what we know now what the science says now around what you should be looking out for and and what the and any danger scientists should be looking out for. Yeah, sure. So at, we spend an inordinate amount of time talking about urine we when do. we cover ultramarathons. Mm. Um, and, and rightly so. It, it's it's useful and it is also a bit alarming when you go for a pee in the middle of a race and it looks like blood. Um, there's kind of a few things which we can unpack. So the, the first is like uh, if we talked about like say clear to yellow urine, that – is not it doesn't have a perfect correlation, um, but it can vaguely reflect your hydration status. If you're peeing clear, you're probably doing all right on the hydration. Probably not a hard and fast rule by any means. If it's dark and concentrated yellow, either you've had a whole bunch of something which you pee out, like vitamin C can make your your urine quite yellow, or maybe you're a bit more on the on the drier side. Again, you'll know your body from your training runs. You'll know kind of what happens. Then we kind of move into the realm of like rosé to blood. So um, exercise-associated hematuria, so hematuria means hematids, blood, urea is in the urine, is super common in ultra-distance running. Triathlons as well, but especially in running. The quoted numbers are like 60% plus or have blood on a, on a we'd get like a dipstick, like you have right. like doctor's. We put that in there, it might not be visible, but 65% plus of people will have a detectable amount of blood in their huh. urine, which is um, generally fine. And the vast majority of people, that that rosé sort of colour is as a result of a relatively benign process. So right. first and most obvious one is the inside of our bladder is uh, a mucosa, like an inside of our mouth. So if it's while you're running, the front and the back are bouncing against each other. They can get like a bit, a bit abraded or a little bit raw, and then a little bit of blood can go into your urine. Um, another another way is from foot strikes. So our feet are bouncing on the ground the whole time. The blood that's moving through the feet can get damaged, and when it makes it through the kidneys, it kind of leaks out through the huh. foot, so to speak. So you end up with a little bit of blood in your urine from that. And there's even a theory that maybe, and I, this one I don't know if it. These are all theories, by the way. This one I don't know if it holds as much water is when we're running, we're kind of shaking our kidneys and the sieve, it's like 
shaking a sieve and the sugar gets through, you know, right. like it's more permeable. Yeah. That's a reported theoretical mechanism for some blood and urine. But those three methods, those three are all benign. And and if you see us at the event, which, I mean, we'd encourage you to, if, you, if it's worrying you, come and talk to one of the medics or one of the doctors, and we will be able to take a bit of a history, and we'll be able to, the advice will probably be, you should see your doctor for a repeat dipstick of your urine in about 72 hours, because it should have settled down by then. The reason we do that is in a very, very small percentage of people, the bit of blood might be the first sign of something untoward happening with that mucosa inside the bladder. Right. So, you know, you see that at the things like uh, a growth on the side of the mucosa or something like that. And we want to we want to catch those things. We don't want to sure. ignore it. Yeah. Um, but that's a I'm talking tiny, tiny, tiny minorities, but enough that we should check. Yeah. And in terms of the colour, I mean, can you explain? I understand that the the amount of so if you go from you know, clear urine or yellow to, and, and you know, they, they have the, the Tarawid ones, the pints, if it's, an, if it's a lager versus an IPA. That's the yep. amount of what they call, it's antidiuretic hormone, isn't it? It's the amount of hormone that the body's releasing to basically keep, keep things kind of, keep your urine and keep your water in, eh? Yeah, so there's a few, like there's a few mechanisms there because our body works on amount of water volume that's circulating. So like how, how full the tank is, so to speak. And it also regulates how concentrated our electrolytes are in our blood. So there's actually a couple of different all-of-body regulatory mechanisms that kind of work together to change the flow rate of fluid through our kidneys. And that flow rate through the kidneys is what's important and what's sucked out. Right. So there's ADH is antidiuretic hormones, one of them. Um, there's also like our... Um, renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, and there's also a whole bunch of systems inside the kidney that do it kind of automatically. Um, non-steroidals make an appearance here as well, so this is those are some of the key mechanisms that get broken down by those non-steroidals. But the concentra- how concentrated our urine is will generally reflect our hydration status, but not always, uh-huh. and it can lead you astray. So it's it's if you're assessed by 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 one of the doctors that. Um, at the finish of one of these races, they'll ask you a load of questions, look at a load of vital signs, and it's about taking a little bit of information from everywhere because no single thing is going to be predictive of mm, a definite uh, problem. Uh. And there's one last bit of color of urine I just want to mention as well, and that is like brown, or the, the teaching is Coca-Cola urine. Um, and that can be a sign of um, a process called rhabdomyolysis, that's where you get a break, basically a breakdown of your muscles um, from use um, and a few other things affect that as well and release of a substance from the muscle into the blood that then kind of gets into the kidney and, and out into the urine and kind of damage the kidneys in the process. Uh, so that's it, proteins it, going out the kidney, yeah? Correct, yep. So a protein called myoglobin, which comes out of our muscle and goes, when it's damaged, it gets released into the blood and travels through. Mm. And, and that would give you more of a dark brown, Coca-Cola-y, coffee sort of coloured urine, and that's one we—that's the one we would really want to hear about. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, okay. That is. So we blood and urine definitely talk to us. We need to give you some advice. This dark brown urine is one we're looking for, and the caveat to all this is, I want to be kind of real and thinking like most of the time people are peeing in uh, an ultramarathon or an endurance event. It's in like a portaloo that's dimly lit. Yeah. It's night time. And you're like somewhere out the back of Mount Ruapehu and you're not really sure. Um, think of it in the context of, of your body. If it looks a bit weird and you don't feel so good, 
maybe you need to seek help sooner rather than later. If it seems a bit of a strange color and you feel good, you can maybe reassess things shortly afterwards. But mm. that's kind of what, that's an overview of urine. Yep. I yeah. That's good. And, well, <laughs> I, I saw a tweet of a GP the other day who was talking about beetroot as well, and that's something to be to be that's careful right, for. Yeah. You, you have a hoon on the – and I've, I've been caught out that myself. I've, I've obviously got bladder cancer. Oh, no, I've just had four fresh beetroot the night before, you know. Like. Absolutely. I think we should – now you mentioned maybe the pre-race – Pre-race dinners, beetroot should almost be banned. You know? Yes, that's <laughs> it's going to muddy the waters. But <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's no. It does. It's the beetroot in urine is completely harmless. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. All right, number three is that Num- number three. Yep. So number three is again, they're all pretty general, but this one is be prepared for the conditions. So this kind of speaks to a bit of planning ahead, um, and I think the the really literal way to interpret it is to say is it going to be hot or cold have i got all my compulsory gear that i Mm. need have i actually thought about are there any other items that i usually take with me above and beyond the compulsory gear that i should have um that's kind of the central part but then also have a think about the kind of situations you're going to find yourself in in this race is this a race which involves some navigation involves you being in like an off-track environment which some of these races around the country do are you prepared for that can you get yourself out of trouble if you had to and also talks about things like have i done the appropriate training for this event have i run all through the night or run in the middle of the night for a miler Mm. yeah Mm. And that's the thing, isn't it? If you come to the, yeah, if you come to a race where you're going to need poles, and you've you've just taken them out of the plastic bag, and at, at the point of you, you know mm. the, the day before the race, and we're starting to see that a little bit, aren't we? At the moment, we talked about offline before, you know, and it's 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 said with a, it's said with a fondness, but just the the sheer panic of people. Leading up to a big race on, yeah, on like of, on Facebook, four weeks out, isn't it? it's about four weeks. I, mm. I actually had to take myself off the group for about three years because oh, I was man. like, you, Tom, I'd be like, no, don't, don't, don't get swept up in it and don't say anything. You know, like it's, I it's, know what you mean. Yeah, it's that sense people just start to, and it's, it's very lose normal, their mind. That lose their mind. Yeah, lose their mind. It's like when when around taper, right? taper madness kicks in, and then there's just this like. I don't know what the, the I don't actually like just yeah a, a, a whole of a whole of population like, delusion. You feel the weight of your preparation, right? You've been That's building right. to this for like 14, 16, 20 weeks or longer and you're like if I don't have poles, I it's going to ruin me. Yeah. But that's the, the the important thing then is to kind of sit back and think actually no, like I'm prepared for the conditions in other ways. Mm. I'm hearing all this chatter about this, but actually if I look at my my own prep, I know that when I run I actually like to hold on to things when I'm going through the bush and the race I'm doing actually doesn't have big open climbs that I need poles for, um, just with, as an example. Mm, yeah. um, but I think you can, you, can take a lot of, you can take a lot of knowledge from training events you've done in the build-up mm. and I think it's important to not throw that out just on race day when you get to the expo and see what everybody else is doing. Yeah. You should trust what you've done. If you know that you get a bit colder than other people and you actually want to take a mid-layer with you as well as your jacket and your polypro, and then you hear the night before that actually this particular race has said, oh, no, you don't need polypro this time, don't take it out of your bag. Mm. Trust that you know yourself. Yeah. 
and you need to do the minimums that the organizers say, but they're just that, they're minimums. Yeah, they're guides. Yeah, they're guides. Yeah, yeah. Be yeah. ready for it. And, and, Thinking of ultras in particular, usually there's a system for drop bags or if it's a loops race, a way to pass back through somewhere. Making sure you've got your other other equipment packed when you might need it. Mm. So if you know that you are going to be starting in the in the dark in the morning and it's maybe you'll just need a little bit of a headlight, make sure that you can have that headlight stashed so that you're gonna have another one for the nighttime later at in the night and I think that sometimes you like you mentioned people can you can lose your mind a little bit leading leading into one of these races but if you've thought about it you've done the prep just think about what works for you and do your thing yeah and I guess the thing with that too is it's almost that sense also and again you know uh it's fully I say this is like we lepers, not you lepers, right? It's that sense of sometimes you get to the expo and you think, well, that's some, that's a nice bit of kit or, gosh, everyone looks like they've got this bit of bag or every layer. Yeah. I, I've worked at a couple of these things and it's incredible the amount of money people throw down on gear that they're planning to use the next day. You know, and yeah. I think it's that kind of, oh, this is, you know, we all like new stuff, right? Mm. We all kind of, mm. It's that sense though of, of sticking to your prep and, and swimming in your lane that you've stuff you've used, nothing new on race day. That's right. That's right. Make sure you meet the minimums of the organisers. But if you have something that works for yep. you, don't change it on the race. It's, yep. the old, it's the old adage of don't wear new shoes on race day. Yeah, like, absolutely. That it, we have so much more gear and endurance sport. It applies to everything, not just yeah. the shoes. Yeah. yeah. And I really like what you say too about you've done the training. You know yourself. You know if you suffer yep. from the heat. You know if you suffer from the cold. And we've got a friend Sean, who um, you know, he he does get he does suffer oh. in the heat. He does he does notice he does get cold and shivery. So yeah. he just makes sure that he's got everything there. He's, he's ready and he's prepared. And that's the thing, isn't it? You've done the work. You know yourself. You know what you're preparing for. Back yourself. Try. You know. No, you've you've got this. That's right. And the the taper madness is a definite. It's a real phenomenon. I think in all sports. Um, <laughs> Don't maybe even writing things down Absolutely. after your big sessions. That's where a training diary is really useful. Use yeah. those extra hours you've got free when you've got your legs up on the couch just to look over what you've done and just just you might pull some little pills out of there and you can rest. You can really take confidence and strength from that when yeah. you are on race day. Yeah, and even yeah. Ignore, I mean, one thing that works for me, you know, as a as a mental health professional who has some of the ironically the most severe bouts of tape madness known to known to humankind. Um, Acknowledging that has been really helpful for me. Like I sort of get to that point and I look forward in my training and, and, and I'll, I'll plan it out just like this will be peaking here and here I'm going to lose my mind about something, <laughs> you know, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. why is the cat talking to me in my mother's voice telling me I'm not good enough? Um, it, just actually having that, again, it comes down to awareness, isn't it? And sort of recognising that it's part of that process. It sure does. Yeah. I think this rule probably leads into number four as yep, well. Absolutely. And number four is this one was one which is born out of our experience at these races. And the rule, this one is the race doesn't end at the finish line. There's a whole lot of effort and thought that goes into that 50 or 102, 160 kilometers between the start line and the finish line. But usually that's where the planning stops. People haven't thought it's just all about getting to the finish line, which is I totally understand. That's what you're training for. But if you're finishing at say three thirty in the morning mm. and 
it's kind of chilly, maybe it's rainy a little bit, and you also don't feel a million bucks because you've just you've just emptied yourself running a hundred miles. Um, you you need to have some stuff there. You need to have thought. Okay, even if it's just one evening during taper madness to take your mind off the cat that's talking to you, you can think. Okay, what am I going to pack for after the finish? And you, I mean, the basic list for me would be uh, you'd want a towel so you can dry off. You'd want some like track pants, maybe a, a warm like fleece jersey, um, some shoes or jandals or like sandals that you can put on your feet. Um, often there's food available, but just a little something that you can drink, maybe a um, hydration, mm. some sort of hydration liquid or something, maybe just a, a cold piece of pizza from the night before if that's what you're into, just a backup something. And just put that with a with a blanket as well, all in a nice bag, and give it to your support crew and say, your job when we're at the finish is to keep this by your side. You must bring this with you everywhere you go. And so the, when you come across the finish line, the 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 joy and the elation starts to wear off, and you start to realize that you're freezing cold, you can barely stand up, and your feet hurt, that you've got something to change into. Yeah. Mm. And we can we can help look after you, but we I've only got so many jackets that I can lend people yeah, yeah. Um, at four in the morning. So that was that's that one I must admit has been grabbed by the community and we can a few years ago we'd say to people, Oh, have you got anything with you? And they'd say no. But in recent years people have been able to say, Yeah, 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 I've got the bag right here mm. which is awesome. And I think people getting out of your wet clothes and having something dry to put on and something to eat means that you can go and enjoy what you've just achieved with your family rather than having to hang out with us in the medical tent, as, <laughs> as, as nice as we are. Um, it's a simple thing to do as well. So yeah. you can, I'd almost say that that would be, previously in race briefings I've done at various events, I've kind of said that's people's homework the night before the race, but I actually think it would be a better thing to do, say, at the beginning of your taper, where you would normally have a longer run. Just spend an hour just packing your bag or writing a list of what's going to be yeah. in there. Mm, mm. I think even okay. stuff like, I mean, attending to, you know, thinking about your homeostasis, attending to your hygiene as well, your skin, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Even brushing your teeth afterwards, how good is that? You've been eating oh, yeah. sports food or pizza or whatever. God knows what else we cram down our food holes when we're running. And then afterwards, I know for me, it's always a, mm. something that's really helpful mm. just to feel a bit cleaner. Yeah. How have, you, how have you guys found that last hour, that sort of first hour after you've finished long races? How how have either of you had an experience which was not so good? Or? I, sorry, oh, you go. Oh, I spent like 15. So I I had a really big, quite a big PB at Kepler and it had been a hard year. But I was I looked at the wrong clock coming over the finish line. So I thought I was looking at the, Lux, I was looking at the Luxmore Grunt clock thinking, and I turned my watch off for the last at, at Rainbow Reach or whatever. And I thought I had like some crazy like hour and a half PB. And I, I went to, not demonstrably, but like I actually went to pieces and had to get stitched back up in the medical tent. They just basically had to put me somewhere warm and mm-hmm. I basically had to sort of come back to my, come back to my senses. And I think it was sort of accumulation of everything, even though I'd managed everything and the emotional kind of let down. And, and as I was laying there in the medical tent, I was thinking, wait, I was doing the math as I was, <laughs> <laughs> as I was feeling better. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and I got helicoptered to Invercargill once too. You did. You did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 
That was mid race. Good ones, eh? Yeah, you've had some good <laughs> ones. My ones are quite boring. I number one is I know, and I know this happens after most ultras, is I have no appetite. I know that I don't want to eat. And so I just, I know that now. And so I make sure that I've got available some soup or something, just that I can get something in me to get things going. Um, another thing that happened to me once after uh, the, the really wet year at Tarawera, what was that? Eighteen, uh, 2018, yeah. And I DNF'd in the 100K, pulled out at, at Blue Lake. And the second I stopped running, um, I started shaking and I just couldn't stop. Um but luckily, I had my family with me and got in some warm clothes, um, you know, had a hot shower when I you know, got back to the motel, had a hot shower. Um, but yeah, I just, that was one experience was, and it was quite, not frightening, but a bit unnerving, you know, just, I just couldn't stop shaking for hours. Yeah. It's, I mean, we see that, yeah, that's pretty common, pretty relatively common. We'll get a few, we'll get a good few people who do that mm. and they, they, they won't know what's come over them. No. Mm. I couldn't explain it. It was I was feeling fine, and then suddenly I'm just shaking uncontrollably. I guess it's that thing, isn't it? You consider the amount of work that you've put in, or what you've done, and and you've you've triumphed, but also the I don't want to even put this in a negative, but the stress that you've put under your system, your, your yeah. whole system, the stress of running a half marathon for the, those who you know, yeah. if you run a, a hard, if you're going for like a I don't know. One fifth or a, a really hard sure. half marathon. It depends on what you've. It depends on what you've. Five k, ten k. You know, and it's that thing of finishing the finishing the race. Um, and then yeah, it, it, I guess it, it's that whole of system just kind of adjustment to not doing what you've been doing for 12, mm. 14, 16 hours, or even there's, just there's, yeah. Sorry, there's, there's an emotional intensity that Absolutely. comes with it. Well. It's, a, it's a physical effort. And then you have this massive emotional release, yeah. and your body's madly trying to maintain homeostasis in the background, yeah. and it often falls to pieces. So any extra aids that we can bring in to help that body wrap it up in something warm, have some soup and some comfort food. Not everyone has the luxury of having family there, so having yep. a, a a thought out way of getting home. Yeah, I'm sure if Uber is in in all of the locations <laughs> that we have races around the country, so Uber may work. In some places, but do your research basically yeah, on that as yeah, well. Yeah, um, that's what's needed to help the body just yeah. ease back into equilibrium. Yeah, can I just extend that point that you just made about um, getting home? Is that that, that that important plan of what are you going to do after the race? How mm. are you going to get mm. home? What are you going to do? Um, I spoke to Dr. Marty Hoffman last year, who's a, how do we describe him, Tom? World authority, really, on... Yeah, world authority, guru. Uh, yeah, guru on, on endurance and, 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 you know, what happens to your body. And I said to him, you know, what's the most dangerous thing about these endurance events? He said, oh, driving home. We get yeah. so many people either get seriously injured or die in traffic accidents because they finish a race, they're tired, they're depleted, and they drive home. Because they're euphoric as well. Yeah, yeah, and they drive home and then bang, you know, they fall asleep or something happens they're not they're not themselves so that's another important thing to remember is is what are you going to do to get home or back to your accommodation or you know how are you going to keep safe 100 percent, definitely would 100 percent support that and it's you got to enjoy the thing that you've done if you're trying mm. to squeeze yeah. it in around a whole other commitments it's all good but just take an extra half day say get a night's accommodation and, right, and, yeah. and enjoy it 
Yeah. 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 And especially, I guess, as well, if we think about what well, I remember, I nearly threw up in an Uber at the end of Wu 2K because we did actually get an we Uber. Did. And <laughs> I, for some reason, I know we were, we had warm clothes, we yeah. had food, we were doing everything right. We had a group of us together, you know, it was great. And suddenly I was sitting in the front seat of this Toyota Prius heading down Lambton Quay and um, just got this wave of cramp and nausea. I was like, I'm going to hurl in this dude. <laughs> I'm going to throw up in this man's Uber. <laughs> Oh, that was, don't ever do what I do, anyone. Just, <laughs> oh. and, and it passed, right? I just had that moment of panic. He's probably seen it before. Yeah, not, yeah. A, not at three in the night. afternoon with a dude with three-inch <laughs> yeah. split shorts on. Um, or maybe he has, but. It's, um, <laughs> it's Wellington. Anything's possible. Yeah. Oh, and what was I, I was going to say as well, in terms of the connection, and we think about the whole thing about, especially in the current climate, you know, we've all done, we've all been disciplined, we've, we're reaping the rewards of being able to come together and do these events. If you're going down to Tarawera or Kepler or Wutuke or anywhere like that, yeah, I mean, I'm sure some motelier would really appreciate or your mate staying an extra half day and buying yep. some groceries or contributing and just going to the park or, do you know, putting back into that kind of economy as well, hey? Totally, totally. Yeah, especially this year. Uh, uh. I like number which five. Which leads to number five, really, as well. So number five, number five is one which I, I think pretty much every race briefing I've been to from when I was a, a young teenager, have, the organisers have said this in one way or the other, and that's look out for each other. We are, I mean, competitors are the most valuable resource out there from a medical response perspective. Um, we have, in a, in a big race, you might have a 1,000 runners, and that's a 1,000 sets of eyes out there on course looking for people who might be in trouble. Mm. Um, and it's, we're not expecting everyone to, to be able to administer medical care themselves, but just being able to say hi to a fellow runner or, or, or just notice that someone doesn't seem right and check in with them, uh, especially when you're getting up at these events which go all night, the, and the sleep deprivation starts to become an issue, people can end up in some pretty odd places. Mm. Um, I, the one that strikes me the most was a couple of years ago, I, I, did, I ran Revenant in the first year that it was huh. on. And we, I, was with, I did it as a, kind of as a duo with a, with a good mate. And we were making our way up the Nukumai stream. And we, had, we were on our second time through and we saw a light that we came up upon and it was a, a guy, don't know who it was. I think he was from overseas, but he looked like a man possessed. He was by himself. He had his headlight off his head. He looked like he had the fear of, of God in him as we came upon him. And we just said hello and turned out he was all right. He was seeing some pretty weird things, but he'd been up for, for the better part of 24 hours um, and was by himself trying to navigate through this pretty tricky bit of forest. Wow. And then he'd just seen these two sort of weird white lights sort of come out of the middle of nowhere. So he'd had a pretty trippy experience. And all we did was just check in and say hi. And that was all that was, was needed. He seemed all right. He wasn't in trouble. He was just a bit seeing some funny things. And he, he carried on and he was okay. But we, you will see people who run into issues like that mm. in some of these milers and ultras. Yep. And the risk is that people make really bad decisions yeah yeah you might have the most well labeled course marking or the easiest looking bit of track but if you are that out of it you might not really even be able to 
to decide which way to go at this track junction. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? And and I was gonna I was gonna use the word tripping balls, but but also if your reality is being tested that strongly, like if you are hallucinating, if you're suffering from, you know, visual, tactile, auditory hallucinations at that point, because again, you know, for whatever reason, sleep deprivation or exertion or, or whatever, it, it it's a pretty scary place for people. Hey. Totally. And it's you're struggling to hold on to reality. Mm. How on earth are you supposed to remember to do to eat and drink and yeah, to absolutely. replace move those things around in your pack and change your batteries on your lights and things like that. So I uh, I think I mean I I full credit to anyone who manages to race that revenant on their own for the entire time. Mm. I, my background's kind of a bit more in adventure racing lately and your the teammates are what you get a lot of strength from. In an ultra, are you, we hear every year of stories of people who have like kind of teamed up mm. with various sections of courses yep. um, just to kind of have someone to talk to, someone to keep an eye on them, and it's kind of mutually beneficial. You mm. have um, an extra mind, and if you're running at 50% mental capacity, but you've got some kind of a mind between the two of you, yep. so you can kind of be safer and um work together to get to the finish. Plus, yeah. I think it's some pretty cool friendships. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What were we trying to do in the last couple of Ks of Woo 2K we ran together for the whole way? What were we, we were trying to work out Jared Hayden's oh, Western yeah. Split. <laughs> we, we were trying to talk about 50% his, his mental capacity. for Western States, uh, and it was just impossible yeah. to do, yeah, do Jared Hayden, yeah. we were trying to work out his, yeah. his, yeah. his, we're trying to convert it into miles and kilometers. <laughs> and, and, and there's, some, was, there's some high level maths to do uh, yeah. an ultra. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And even both of us, we were just Not, making it worse it, for each other. But just on, um, on Western Okataina last year um, at Tarawera. Uh, I picked up a pacer, so I was really lucky. My good friend Gene, who I'm pacing for this year, um, but he and I set off, and by the end, we had four of us travelling together mm. because um, um, someone else, a listener, shout out to you, um, joined in with us, and then we saw another competitor who who we know. We came across him. He was kind of in a precarious position trying to have a sleep on the track, and we checked on him and just said, he okay? And he ended up jumping up and coming. Well, first of all, we jumped up and took off, but then we came across him again, sort of equally precarious and said, he okay? And he, he ended up coming with us. And, huh. and, and um, so we had this sort of band of four um, moving through the night. Um, it's, yeah, you just, you just say, just look out for each other, make sure everyone's okay. It's like a pain train, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's perfect. That's exactly what we'd like people to do. And, you know, true adventures are shared. So yeah. Absolutely. You have a buddy to, like, recount stories with the following day and yeah yeah absolutely and, and that's what people remember isn't it they don't they they don't remember well i mean of course you do if you if you know some people do remember their splits but you remember that shared discussion or that yeah. chat or that that view that you got to yeah. got to engage with yeah. with someone who's instantly kind of your your best friend mm, <laughs> absolutely hey tom so that that Top five is is fantastic, and and if you're happy that we've covered everything off, you you mentioned your own bit of your own experience there, but you, you know you've raced at world championship level of for orienteering and adventure racing, haven't you? Uh, yeah, a, a few years ago now, but I have um I've my background is kind of in mountain biking and orienteering, and then kind of merged into some trail running at like the kind of goat kind of goat Cody run that sort of distance right um and then in the last sort of five ten years uh, expedition length adventure racing has probably been the, the main thing that i've done so things like god's own and xpd and those sort of things wow. yeah but yeah 
I think orienteering probably is is my like true passion, and I think orienteering is there's a across the country there's a lot of people who you wouldn't realise in ultra but also trail circles who have a background in orienteering, and I think it prepares you super well because you mm. get good at running off road, you get confident training in the backcountry because you can read maps. Mm. And you also you get a bit of a workout if you're going cross country during mm. an orienteering. And I guess it's got to. And I think about people like I mean, two who spring to. I mean, there's yourself. There's Jean Beveridge. There's a Dennis the Monkey. Um, I think about Hanny and Alliston from mm. Australia and yeah. Sean Collins, of course. Yeah. And his yep. wife Madeline and his girls. Does it give you that sense also of? I mean, it is the equivalent orienteering, isn't it, of trying to work out Jared Hazen's. <laughs> trying to work out his, his much, splits yeah. while you're running as fast as you can across. So it gives you, I guess it's that thing, isn't it? It gives you your mental, that that plasticity of your, of, of your mind as well, hey? It works Absolutely, yeah. It's a good way to um, reimagine a place where you always run. You can, I, I mean, orienteering, we use maps again and again, but the courses are always different. Um, and you can do like a, a just a normal run, like Woodhill Forest is a good example. You can run on the roads or run on the tracks, but pretty soon you can feel pretty familiar mm. chuck some orienteering controls out there and you've got a whole new world right to while running mm. so it's cool like that too and i guess transposing that too you know you mentioned the revenant it was this weekend and uh yeah our friend ian, Evan, ian evans taking it out and being out there like you said you, you know he was out there by himself for a long time a long long time um yeah. yep. that, i mean that's orient that's that's orienteering on steroids isn't it yeah, it's, it's got an interesting, because you, you, if you're new, it's a bit of orienteering. If you've done it before, you kind of have a bit of a sense of where you're going. Right. So that, that first time round, and if you're not that great with directions or recognizing things, maybe a second time round as well. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's, kind of an ex, it's kind of a different take on like the long distance orienteering or a row game. Um, and yeah, oh, that's, I don't know how he was, I kind of, saw snippets of what's happened over the last few days and yep. he was he yeah I, I full credit to him for that long on his own yeah mm. he was the only one to go out on lap four yeah um, remarkable extraordinary yeah 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 remarkable he's one of the most i mean he is one of the most level human beings i've ever met you know what you see and his smile on his face is just sort of never leaves his face he's like yeah. that all the time yeah. yeah so fantastic what um so you where did your medical interest come from is that something you'd always wanted to be to be or you know how did that come about no not really i um i towards the end of school i kind of i maybe fell into it a little bit and um it seemed i i really enjoyed lots of sport so it kind of was a physical biology and human biology was a good extension of that and then I've just kind of jumped on the conveyor belt and on the way through had a, a range of different interests but have been lucky to meet some doctors along the way who've helped to shape the way to go. One especially is uh, is Ben McHale, who I do lots of this medical coverage mm, with. Mm. Uh, he's a, I met him as a medical student and he was a junior doctor and made a big impression and he actually started covering a lot of these events before I did and then I've kind of got it, got to be a part of of the coverage through him. Um, and along the way also realized that actually the part of sports medicine that I enjoy is the acute urgent stuff, like the emergency things, right. which is, which is kind of what you need to be ready for at an event like Tarawera. So yeah, that's kind of how I've got there. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, look, Tom, I mean, not to, not to break down the fourth wall, but we know you've got a night shift to get to. And, uh, I understand, you know, it's, 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 a it's, it's, it's one of four. So that, that's a, that's a that's a journey. That's an ultra in itself, 
Before we let you go, um, we ask the same question of everyone who comes on Dirt Church Radio, and that's, hey, Dr. Tom Reynolds, what is your greatest run ever? Well, I, I was actually out very close to where this run happened today, and it was uh, when I was first started as a doctor working up in Whangarei with a mate, and we kind of set out with like a loose idea for a loop that we thought we might be able to do. Maybe there were some tracks on the map. Maybe we could get around the coast. And basically, there was a loop from Whananaki up to a place called Mimi Whangata, and then back around through the bush, which we estimated was about 20-something kilometres. Um, and people who, who might have run with me would know I'm terrible, despite the orienteering, terrible <laughs> estimation. So when, when we got to about 30 k's and we were still like nowhere near the finish, um, the, the run had deteriorated into a bit of an epic kind of survival game. Um, we eventually made it back after like 44 or 45 k's, but we got to take in some amazing bit of coast that we got to run around. We were climbing up cliffs and um, running on the rock platforms. There's some beautiful tracks up near Mimifongata, some some trails up through natives. And then just that kind of shared sense of accomplishment when we got back uh, finally to the cars and could um, feel like we'd survived something. It was, that would probably be one of my most memorable runs ever. Fantastic. I'm actually going up to Mimifongata this weekend, so I'm, uh, I might... Uh tap you after this is finished for, for, for any tips you have on some trail running. Cause yeah, yeah. there's a track up there. the back there that's uh, not marked on the map, but it's a very, <laughs> very nice connection through to Whananaki. Oh, nice. Fantastic. What was the total, how long were you out for in the end? Oh, we were out for like the better part of six hours, I think. Oh. And we'd, we'd, we'd vastly <laughs> undercated as well. So like yeah. we, had, we didn't take bags. We had like maybe shoved a couple of gels in our shorts and were drinking out of streams and all that sort of thing. It was wow. it was getting pretty desperate towards the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Brilliant. Hey, look, Tom, thank you so much. Uh, you know, be safe, enjoy your shifts, and um, we'll both look forward to seeing you at Tarawera in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Thanks, on. Tom. Boy, between us, we really do have some good after-race stories. Mainly me. No, I've got well, some good ones. You've got some good ones. Yeah, you've got some good ones. Yeah. You've got some really good ones. I didn't tell all the ones where I went. That's it. I'm never running again. Because <laughs> I didn't think they counted as medical issues. Well, they kind of do, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah anyway, yeah. fantastic. Tom, Hope you learned something. Yep, Dr. Tom is the man, and uh, we're stoked we're going to get to catch up with him at mm. Tarawera in a couple of weeks yeah. and hopefully catch up with lots of you. But until then, thank you very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms, and you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And if we're not where you want us to be, let us know. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us. If you like what you see, spread the love. It would be great as many people heard the show as possible. And for that, we need your help. Don't forget to send in your greatest run ever, and you can read them on the website too. Um, people love doing that, and we love hearing from you with them. Thanks to our sponsors, yes. Scott Running, Further Faster, Spring Energy, and CLE, and thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. Thank you to our editor, Kieran. We've got a great guest lined up next week, so tune in then. Ka kite. We're crashing to an end. Ka kite. Thanks, Rippy.